Cube Radio. You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabriel Gélina. Good day, everyone, and welcome to uh, the 14th episode of the Car Guide Podcast. My name is LP, and I'm with uh, Gab. And today we're going to talk about cars once more because there's a lot of happening in the industry. We've been driving quite a bit in the last few weeks. Um, a lot of new things. And the first thing I want to talk about, uh, Gab, and we've been, we, we spoke about VinFast a couple of times in the previous episodes. Yes, we have. And uh, <laughs> a lot of questions around the brand. Every time I talk about VinFast, I say, well, there's a lot of questions. There's still a lot of unanswered questions, although uh, the products are slowly rolling in, or I should say floating in. To Tr trickling in. <laughs> trickling in, yes. Uh, trickling in on by boat to uh, North America, because as you know, VinFast is a Vietnamese automaker and the, currently uh, the first model is the VF8, which is a midsize SUV. Uh, the company has plans to build a plant in North Carolina to be able to supply the North American market. And we got the chance to drive. Well, actually, Gab, you had the opportunity to drive it last year in Vietnam for a very short distance. It was a pre, 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 pre production model. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it, you, we should qualify that by saying that, uh, you know, the vehicles that I drove in uh, Vietnam last year were pretty much prototypes. Yeah. You know, and pretty much hand built. Yes. Whereas you got to drive something that's a little bit closer, it seems, to the finished product. Yeah. Uh, even though <laughs> I think we should qualify this as being a work in progress. Yeah, that's a good way to, that's exactly <laughs> how I would put it. It's a good way to put it. Um, something I want to pull out because if you if you follow VinFast, you've probably read a lot of reviews lately about the VF8, which were mm -hmm. at the first uh, launch Uh, in uh, California, uh, first waves of North American journalists got to try the product. So you went to California to drive the first batch of vehicles yeah. that are exported to North America. Exactly. So I think that's that's more maybe significant than than what I got to do uh, last year. Mm -hmm. how, you know, for example, you know, how much distance did you cover? How long did you drive the vehicle for? About a half a day. Okay. Uh, so and we we drove uh, the city uh, version, which is the U.S. is going to get the city version of the VF8, which is the low range, um, a very highly debated model that's a lot of, we'll get to that at some point, but uh, uh, a lot of customers say it shouldn't be there, but it's more affordable in the U.S. In Canada, we're not going to get that model. So we've got full uh, full uh, VF8 Plus and Echo models, which which vary in, in terms of range. I think it's like a little bit over 400 kilometers of range for the Echo model, and uh, I think it's like a 300 and, and high 300s for the, for, the, for the Plus model, which is has more power. But you got to drive a VinFast VF8 on North American roads. Yeah. And how was it? Uh, <laughs> you know, frankly, for my, well, let's start with my, my, my opinion yeah. uh, of the vehicle. It was a much more finished in terms of assembly that I thought what I would drive for a new automaker. You mean uh, like fit and finish? Fit and finish. The adjustment of body panels. Panels. like that. Okay. Inside out. I yeah. mean, it was, the vehicle was quote unquote done, you know, yeah. in, 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 in terms of assembly. Um, 
which is what you should expect for a launch, yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. but still, let's mention it. Mm. Um, and in terms of a performance, although I didn't, you know, we it's a 400 and something horsepower for the uh, for the plus model that I drove, and although I didn't feel that much power coming out of it, mm. uh, response was like what you find on on any electric vehicle. Uh, the, uh, the handling was all right, uh, you know, for that size of vehicle, very heavy vehicle. Mm. Um, it's not something that's very comfortable that I found uh, on on rougher pavements, for ex- example, what we find here where we live. Uh, and otherwise, overall experience inside, comfort, uh, on par. Uh, it's a big tablet setup, just like the Tesla. Uh, so it's a big horizontal tablet in the middle of the dashboard and you have no instrument cluster all your instrumentation and and speed and whatnot is all displayed on the left hand corner upper corner of the the screen Um, you know overall the intuitive uh, interface of the VinFast system it's all right it's just like a test so you kind of kind of have to dig in um, uh, to find what you need uh, very few manual levers, which I don't really like. I like when, when auto, uh, auto manufacturers kind of leave those manual levers for those essential commands that I need, HVAC, uh, radio, and, and such. Um, and otherwise, in terms of range, I mean, in, uh, during half a day, we didn't, we didn't, I didn't deplete any battery. It was a sunny California day. So mm-hmm. I, we didn't, we didn't, uh, um, uh, you know, have any range problems, any charging uh, testing that we couldn't do. Uh, but uh, it it consumes a lot of of power. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say um, it's not very efficient. It's not very efficient. I mean, you know, we hovered around twenty five or twenty six uh, kilowatt uh, per hour for the for the for the, uh, the per consumption 100K, per hundred yeah. k, yeah. uh, which is which is on the high uh, side of things. I mean, okay, you'll tell me we spoke about the Hummer EV at some point that can yeah. go thirty five forty, <laughs> but still you can get seventeen out of a you know out of a, a Tesla. I think a yeah. Tesla Model Three. So it's it's kind of a, a little high uh, for my taste, maybe a, 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 a something to work there. Although also a lot of annoying uh, ADAS, a lot of uh, you know driving aids. Uh, that that's something that you can mostly uh, deactivate through the screen, and, and I figured out right away how to do it. Very intrusive, but you can still deactivate it through the screen. Uh, some of them you couldn't. Uh, were still uh, something to be worked on, and uh, a sport mode that was. Basically not drivable, uh, very nervous accelerator, but not good nervous. Just the response was just kind of going back and forth all the time when you were driving mm-hmm. it. So a lot of things that uh, the VF8 is equipped with over the air update capability. And I think a lot of these things can be um, uh, fixed through over the air updates. Uh, but overall, Drivability is all right. Power is all right. Although I didn't find all the power that I, I thought was there. And uh, overall experience was okay. Yeah. Now, yeah, but a lot of what you said uh, brings back to mind what I experienced when I drove the early prototypes over in Vietnam. I never had the feeling that it had as much power as what they stated. Yeah. You know, it always felt very slow to me. And I didn't think the body control motions were, were very good. Okay. You know, the, there was a lot of, a uh, lot of work left to be done with, with suspension. Yes. And tuning and, and damping and things like that. So, you know, <laughs> the rest of the stuff, you know, yeah, maybe it can be fixed by OTA, but stuff like 
you know, uh, damping, uh, suspension, tuning, things like that. You can't really play all that much. You got to bring, you know? yeah, yeah. bring it back in, and, and that's it. And play with the hardware, and also the the power. You know, if you you also didn't feel that that it was as powerful as what they. What, I mean, it's powerful. Don't get me wrong. It's just yeah. four hundred plus. Yeah. It's it's you know, mm-hmm. there, there's a special feeling right there. When exactly. You, <laughs> that exactly. wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, again, like I said, all this to me, it, it really goes back to the fact that. Yeah, it's a new car maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're gonna have teething problems, um, and you know it's it's still still a work in progress. Yeah, you know even given all the money that they threw at this project, yeah, and the resources and the, the, to to develop these the this brand and to develop these vehicles, there's still a lot of work to do. And I'm not really sure that I personally, you know, would be comfortable to you know buying one or getting into one right now yeah. given the price that they're selling it at given the fact that you know they have no history you know in terms of reliability or in terms of yeah. you know we don't know anything about what the customer service is going to be about and service centers i and mean they, exactly. they they have shops yeah. that the little boutiques where you can you can get them yeah. but service centers are essential especially when you have vehicles you know pouring in well not trickling in to to, to the north yeah. american market so there are 17,000 customers that have reservations in north america yeah. for uh vf8 yes um, there's, of, of course, you know, a few thousand of those are probably in Canada. So uh, if yep. you're one of those, <laughs> if, you've, if you've got a reservation for a VinFast VF8 and you're expecting delivery soon, get in touch with us because we'd really like to know about what the customer service experience is all about right. and what your initial uh impressions are yeah because of, of this vehicle yeah definitely because you you know there's a lot of worried people out there because my my experience wasn't all that bad it was okay yeah but a lot of of the we were the first wave to try the vehicle and then on the second and third wave a lot of Amer- american journalists uh, tr- uh, drove the vehicles and the uh the, the reviews were horrendous it was just like mm-hmm. uh, you know a, a lot of electric electronic problems that i didn't experience and my canadian colleagues uh, didn't experience either so there was like a, maybe a short-term reliability problem with some of the sensors or computer in the vehicle maybe you know some 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 uh, some experience to be gained there by the engineers, but you know the U.S. has very low uh, the the city uh, variant, which is which is low range, and and a lot of journalists were saying it shouldn't be there. You know, especially you know considering the vehicles is for is for North America. But reservation holders at this point read all this and and you know saw the problems. I would be a little bit worried, uh, but then again, there's. A lot of plans from the manufacturer that say, well, they want to open a plant in, in North Carolina to be able to manufacture this uh, vehicle uh, over here and also plans to open service centers. However, you know, we, we, we don't know which way it's going to go. You know, there's a new, new investment. You know, at some point, I think we mentioned that uh, VinFast was pulling the plug on investment a, a few yeah, months actually, ago. Yeah, the, the owner, the, the, the majority owner. Right. Uh, <laughs> the, the the very wealthy uh, Vietnamese businessman who's the head of Vin Group, uh, who invested personally in in this in this project. Yeah. But now they've gotten a new backer, uh, 
yeah uh, some, some new money some and new money in, involved yeah. because he decided he was not going to put any more of his own money into the project yeah. but they apparently have been able to secure some financing to keep it keep things going yes keep the, the project viable um, <clears throat> but yeah you know very much uh, still a work in progress and I, you know I get the feeling you know sometimes we we hear these stories and you know, a popular expression where we're building the airplane as we're flying it. Yes, you know, <laughs> I heard that. And, yeah. and, and I, I, I really feel like Zoom yeah. Fast is very much that. It's too you know. fast. Yeah, you know, it's maybe too- <laughs> they're, they're doing it. They're doing things very, very quickly. And perhaps, you know, that's not... Uh, it's going to be difficult for them to achieve the level of quality and customer service that the most demanding market automotive market in the world yes. is North America yeah. and to to be able to right from the word go match what is actually already available and you know it's it's a tall order definitely them. and and, and you know I don't think it's going to happen either not there, in the first not in the first year and not maybe not in the first two years there's a beginning automaker that was launching a few products in the, the uh, 2017 and before that uh tesla you mm-hmm. know experienced all kinds of problems as well with paint uh, reliability assembly which you know when you buy a brand new model 3 sometimes you'll see some of these problems pop up again but I mean, it's still they made it, you know. They 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 they're they're, they're selling a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, uh, you know we've given a chance to yeah, Tesla no, at the beginning, yeah. and then you know. But don't forget one thing: Tesla for a lot of people is an aspirational brand. Yes, Vinfast is not. No, it's not. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a very good point. That's a key exactly. Difference. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, there is, and it's it's American brand too with with, yeah. with Tesla. So there's there's a little bit more confidence, but. VF8, if you have one, if you have a reservation uh, right now, we'd like to speak to you. You can write it to us on Facebook or, or, or on the website, uh, carguideweb.com, uh, just to know uh, what, what your overall experience and, and your concerns and stuff. And then we can, we can, uh, we can uh, talk about it on the next episode. Uh, next order is uh, of news is the new Tacoma. I went to see, um, I flew to Hawaii to drive another Toyota vehicle, but we're not allowed to talk about that one right away. But Toyota took the opportunity to unveil the long-awaited and, you know, so much teasing going on with that vehicle in the next few months. In the last few months, uh, the 2024 Tacoma. It's funny to me because it seems to me, you know, you saw the vehicle and... It was sort of like hiding in plain sight, and the and because Toyota unveiled a you know a concept vehicle years ago yep. <laughs> that looks exactly <laughs> like the new. But that's Tacoma. very Toyota. <laughs> that's, that's that's so Toyota in terms of styling, you know, yeah. especially a front end with yeah. the, with the light treatment and all that. And it doesn't it doesn't look all that different from the original Tacoma. No. I mean, it does. It's it's it it borrowed some of the elements from the Tundra, which every manufacturer does. Yeah. I mean, everything that's now. You know, in we used to see mid-sized pickup truck as the working trucks, mm-hmm. low tech, yeah. uh, just you know wobbling around in your mid-sized pickup truck. Nobody would pay attention that much to that to, to that particular that segment. segment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And now it's you know the fires picked up yeah. and all the high technology, the, the various technologies from the full size is you know in the mid-size now. And then you'll see with the new Tacoma, it's got. So much more tech that it used to have. Obviously, the uh, the V6 engine that's uh, been very very reliable has been retired uh, uh, and replaced by a choice of two uh, four cylinders. We knew that was was going to happen. Uh, turbocharged 2.4 liter. 
And also the, uh, the, the, the second engine option is also a 2.4 liter turbocharged, but uh, it pairs it with the uh, uh, Toyota hybrid system. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of power, uh, the, uh, the first engine, the base engine is 278 horsepower and 317 foot pounds of torque. Uh, it is paired uh, with uh, either a six-speed manual, which was kept uh, this year. A lot of lot of purists, a lot of that's good news. That's so. That's uh, good news. It's uh, you know you want to keep your customers, yeah, yeah. and I think Toyota's made the right decision. It's not the most efficient uh, probably uh, way, but the people who are going to buy through this tra- this transmission, I think they they really love the product and they want to keep it with the third pedal. Uh, the hybrid option uh, is uh, obviously a 2.4-cylinder, uh, like I said, uh, turbocharged, but with a battery and uh, electric motor inside the transmission. It makes uh, 326 horsepower and 465 uh, foot-pounds of torque, which makes it pretty competitive with what's coming out uh, with the Americans, like with the Canyon yeah, and exactly. stuff, which, which high horsepower, high torque mm-hmm. engines. The manual transmission is not available with the hybrid uh, drive. the hybrid drive because obviously you know yeah. with the, the eight speed transmission included that includes the uh, the um, uh, the hybrid system uh, obviously a whole new uh, interior with the Tacoma uh, well first of all the exterior is going to be available with five feet and six feet boxes just like uh, uh, before uh, their their four door uh, uh, the double cab and also the extra cab is mm-hmm. coming back making a comeback from an old generation which is going to be like a two door cab uh, available so that's pretty cool because there's there's uh, not a lot of av- availability with uh, two door uh, uh, pickup trucks in the midsize segment segment um, inside, yeah, obviously, uh, fully redone. You're still sitting a little bit upright in the, the, the Tacoma. It's, but it's it includes now the 14, the available 14 inch, uh, uh, screen with finally the new, uh, Toyota interface, which is much better than the outgoing one. Um, we don't know anything about pricing yet, uh, for the Tacoma. Uh, however, uh, the uh, first models are going to roll in, which is the non-hybrid uh, models are going to roll in at the end of 2023 and early 2024 availability uh, for uh, the uh, hybrid model. So be th- interesting to see how it's going to be received by the public because, you know, this this truck has such a huge fan base. Yeah. When you go out in places like the West Coast, BC or California, whatever, you know, all the the, the, the young people there with their with their surfboards or their kayaks, where yes. they, they all drive Tacomas. And they, they, you know, those things are, you know, they describe them as being bulletproof. Yes. And you, you, know, you could shoot them with a 12 gauge shotgun and still run. <laughs> but partly like because of the V6 2.5, yeah. uh, 3.5 engine, so which is be interesting to see place. what yeah. their reaction is going to be to something like a four cylinder turbo yeah. or even hybrid drive. But then again, you know, Toyota doesn't have any choice. They have to go that way because right. of emission standards and, and yeah. whatnot. So, and, f- and fuel economy numbers. So, so there you go. But it's, 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 it's interesting because it's a, it, this is a truck that has so much, um, I wouldn't say history, but it, it has so much uh, appeal. Yeah. You know, to personality. S- exactly. Uh, cache, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it moves on into this, this, uh, this new generation and whether or not the, you know, the, 
the core, the hardcore Tacoma fans are right. going to take to that. I think they will, but uh, you know, yeah, it remains to be seen. I think Toyota did the right thing too because they added a new variant, which is mm-hmm. the Trail Hunter. Yeah, <laughs> and it's you know you have the TRD Pro, which yeah, has yeah. exists now. It has all the best you know off road components for this type of customer, but they added the Trail Hunter, which is for overlanding. Yeah, you know, yeah. overlanding. So a lot of people are going to buy it because it looks really good. If you see it on the website on the review, there's there's all, all kinds of pictures of the uh, the trail hunter and it's made you know it's got the snorkel type intake on the uh, the the passenger the front passenger side it's got uh, a specifically overlanding designed uh suspension you know it's got all kinds of of uh, uh air compressor included in the box it, ha- it has a converter for people who go off-road for a long time you know they're they're kind of making things a lot very appealing for this type of customer mm-hmm. uh, that wants to you know the hardcore off roading but not full size yeah, you know a exactly. uh, 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 pickup truck right so yeah. I think they're doing it right pricing we don't have no idea so you know that's another thing right it's going to be a very expensive truck I believe but if you get your hardcore base and they want they want to put their hands on it uh, it's it you know it's probably going to sell like hotcakes so we'll know more about that new Tacoma if you want to read the review and see all the pictures in the video as well uh, on on carguideweb.com and uh, we'll keep you posted on uh, the pricing for all the grades and and whatnot for the uh, for the 2024 Tacoma so also in recent news at the Concorso d'Eleganza in Villa d'Este, Italy. Yes. Uh, BMW always does something special there at uh, this venue in uh, near Lake Como, uh, north of Milan. And uh, this year it was the, the reveal of the new 5 Series and, of course, of the i5. So basically uh, BMW is taking... The page from its uh, seven series i7 playbook, yes, and just you know adapted it to a, a smaller smaller segment, and uh, I think it's interesting because you know BMW has this 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 new philosophy in that when they design a, a new model, they will always you know in the same plant be able to build either an, a full uh, internal combustion engine, yeah, or a hybrid of this model or an electric driven electric drive version of this model in the same factory yeah makes it efficient exactly so that's what they're doing with the 7 series and now that's the same approach that they're taking with the uh, BMW 5 series and the i5 I I find it so cool that uh, you know when I first saw the, the 7 series that they were they kept it the two models, electric and 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 you know, uh, 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 with the uh, the ICE engine, pretty much alike. You know, the five yeah. fans of the five series will be able to say, "Oh, you know what? I'll spend a little bit more. I'll go with the electric, and then uh, you won't be su- disappointed." And you know, you can't say that much for Mercedes Benz, who's no. you know exactly. doing the, the EQ yeah, models, which are completely different, completely you know? different. And that's I think that's key. I think it's key because with the seven, whether it's the seven series or the five series. It's going to be hard. You can, of course, tell the, the vehicles apart, whether it's the electric drive or the uh, internal combustion yeah. uh, engine, but they look remarkably similar. Yes. You know, they, whereas Mercedes-Benz, it's a completely different story. Right. The EQS or the EQE and all these other like EQ vehicles, they look like almost like, you know, spaceships or whatever. Yeah, they don't really yeah, look yeah. like a car. But, right, you know? right, right. They, they don't have the finesse of the yeah, design exactly. that, that we're used to. So, so um, I think it's interesting that uh, BMW is taking this approach, not only in terms of uh, 
the the way they're going to manufacture or even market the car because you know for the i7 and the 7 series the price is the same yeah you know the the starting price is the same so um i think it's interesting that they, they're doing it not only from uh uh construction standpoint but also from a design standpoint the yep. vehicles look don't look much different from one that's you know, perfect from, from one to the other yeah and um it's i i think it, it there's a lot of appeal to that mm -hmm. you know, for the for the customer even if you're buying the electric uh version you're, you're buying a vehicle that looks kind of similar to the uh to the internal combustion engine uh, uh same vehicle so i think that's that's a really interesting uh, proposition yeah as far as specs uh you know for the five series it gains a little bit of power a little bit of torque at 255 horsepower and 295 uh, foot pounds of torque for the gas uh, the turbocharged two liter uh, engine uh, as far as the uh uh, i5 m60x drive uh, we're looking at a dual motor setup obviously And you know, to generate uh, 590 horsepower and 586 foot-pounds of torque. So we'll probably know a little bit more about uh, uh, vehicle as well as official range figures because now uh, they stand at uh, 412 uh, kilometers uh, based on EPA, uh, but the official range is going to be announced a little later. Uh, so we'll keep you posted on that. But also I want to quickly talk about um, Cadillac finally announcing uh, the electric Uh, or teasing, I, I don't know, they tease the badge, <laughs> electric Escalade, which is the the uh, the, the big Cadillac uh, SUV. They called it the IQ, Escalade IQ, because they couldn't, you know, you know, at if Mercedes is EQ, at Cadillac, it's IQ, Celestic, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Lyric, Lyric. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and Escalade Ek would have been, <laughs> would have, wouldn't have worked. So they call it IQ. It kind of, kind of, you know, kind of looks like a, a little bit uh, what Mercedes does. But anyway, uh, we don't have any specs for you. Uh, it's coming. It's probably going to be, take some technologies, battery technologies from the Hummer, uh, you know, the Altium platform, the ultimate Altium platform sitting on it. Yeah. But, you know, the, the thing about it is, you know, the, The regular Escalade right now, you mm -hmm. know, it weighs 2,500 kilos. <laughs> That's just with a, a gas engine. Right. How much is the electric version going to weigh? It's right. going to be like way over 3,000 kilos. Yeah. You know, it's oh. like over, we're going to be talking about, you know, way over 6,000 pounds. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If, if, the Hummer, if the Hummer weighs 9,000 and change, yeah. I mean, it's it's not going to be too far from there because, you know, you're talking about, oh, well, a Hummer has all kinds of off-road bits. It doesn't all that much because mm. the mo the motor in the front and motor in the back are not connected. So you don't have all that that, yeah. that, 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 that hardware. But still, there's, it's going to, like you said, and that's good that you bring that up because it's going to weigh, you know, tons and, and it's going to, guzzle electrons it's going to be yeah. it's going to be very very inefficient but probably it's going to sell like hotcakes so we'll, we'll keep you posted on the specs as soon as we we get them uh, for the uh, the new upcoming uh, we don't know what year exactly what year it's going to be made but uh, uh, Escalade uh, IQ So recently you went down to, uh, over, I should say, not down, to Italy. Yeah. <laughs> to drive an Alfa Romeo. Yes. And it's the Tonali PHEV, so the plug-in hybrid version yes. of the Alfa Romeo Tonali smaller or smallish yes. SUV, shall we say. Let's exactly. Like that. Shares a lot of... Uh, 
as you may know, the Tonale shares a lot with the Hornet RT, which yeah, exactly. is the new Dodge vehicle. So uh, a lot of a uh, lot of technologies. I, actually, the, the the Hornet RT is is the Hornet is, is assembled in uh, uh, Naples, uh, same same as the uh, Tonale. Um, they share uh, the PHEV model uh, that I drove uh, has pretty much the same bells and whistles under the hood uh, with uh, a gas engine, a turbocharged gas engine that's available. Uh, but also, uh, obviously, uh, the PHEV model has has the hybrid technology that's that's uh, rechargeable. Uh, it's composed uh, of a four-cylinder uh, four 1.3 liter engine mated to uh, an electric motor and uh, a battery. Obviously, uh, the 1.3 liter engine is turbocharged. And it makes uh, quite a bit of power with 280 horsepower and 305 foot-pounds of torque. It's a little bit less uh, than the Hornet RT, which I think makes about 380 foot-pounds. But that's because uh, uh, certain calibrations are different and the uh, the Hornet RT also has a boost uh, function, a power shot, uh, what, what they call it at Dodge, uh, to be able to give a little bit more uh, performance for a few seconds that's using uh, the hybrid technologies to be able to do that. Uh, I came over. I went over there thinking that I'm gonna be. I was gonna be driving pretty much the same kind of vehicle as the uh, of the Hornet. And uh, getting into uh, the Tonale, you can tell that as far as positioning, everything is pretty much the same. Badges have been replaced in the front. Obviously, the front end is different. Uh, size of the vehicle is the same, and inside positioning is the same. But I find that in the Tonale, uh, um, the, uh, the textures. Uh, the materials, everything is a little different, and obviously you want that to happen because it's kind of a, uh, you know, when you compare pricing, it's it's seven thousand dollars more than the Harnet RT, which you have kind of to have uh, to justify that. But I found that driving with the uh, the DNA uh, drive selector yeah. in, in Alfa Romeo, I mean, if you've driven the Julia, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've driven the Stelvio, you know what the DNA uh, drive selector does, and I always found that it did a little bit more than. The sport mode or just yeah. like other drive selectors. Uh, they have to do that because I've often always sells the idea that it's, you know, it brings emotion to the driving and, and you know, you can read, <laughs> you can read the, uh, the press release if you want to know about emotion. But, uh, you know, in dynamic mode, I found that, uh, the car was totally different, which I didn't really find in other, you know, uh, uh, uh you know, vehicles that have this type of technology. And, uh, the other thing was that the, uh, the the gas engine, very small, 1.3 liter, you know, displacement. Um, the turbocharger is made by Mopar, which is, you know, you see it in the Italian villa that we were d displayed, Mopar with a big logo on the, on the, on the turbocharger, on the uh, engine display that we could we could examine. And I find that uh, the pairing with the ICE engine and the electric part of, of, uh, of uh, the Tonale was... Uh, the just the, the communication and the response was particularly good. I didn't expect it to be that much, you know, that fluent or that uh, uh, streamlined with with so it's pretty, driving. So pretty cohesive is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed the drive. Obviously, you have to think about the price difference between that the Hornet, but also whatever's on the market. If mm -hmm. you're thinking about buying into that segment, um, but it was a good experience for me with the PHEV. Didn't didn't get uh, to to. Uh, 
test uh, to test the charging system, but I got a little bit more uh, range out of uh, the battery, which was rated at 49 kilometers. I got 60, and I wasn't nice with it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I got kind of beat it around the corners, and and it, it gave me the satisfaction that I wanted. And you really wanted to have that pizza. You were really that hungry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drive it back to <laughs> Naples, please, because I'm gonna stop for uh, a margarita pizza. Uh, definitely something that I would have uh, uh, would have done. Uh, but yeah, overall a good experience. I mean, read the article, look at the pricing, you, you know, make your decision. It's a little bit more power. It's a little bit more torque than what, what you'll find in the segment. And PHEVs are not really in the luxury uh, uh, subcompact SUV segment at the moment. There's not much available. So it's it's uh, it's something that's to be considered. Yeah, it's a bit of an outlier there. Yeah. yeah. So so there's that. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, pretty good uh, pretty good impressions on the uh, Alfa Romeo Tonali. The only thing that I'm worried about is obviously reliability with mm -hmm. with uh, with that 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 new engine, uh, that hybrid uh, you know components, and also with overall reliability. We know Alfa Romeo. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, the uh, the vehicle that's gonna either help it. You know, Alfa Romeo is being kind of held by the Giulia and the Stelvio right now for for a long time, mm -hmm. and adding that model, it better be reliable because it wants to, you know, attract people draw to the people brand, attract people yeah, to the sure. brand. So, exactly. so we'll have to see about that in in the future. Uh, you drove, you went out uh, to Europe as well, and you drove something a little bit different, I think, <laughs> yeah. in Brussels. Yeah, I sure did. I went over to um, to Brussels because Audi has a plant there. Yeah, uh, in where where's the uh, Q8 e-tron and SQ8 e-tron are are being built, and uh, before that, the plant was manufacturing uh, the previous version of that same vehicle, which was simply known as the e-tron Quattro SUV. Yes. So it was a plant visit, but it was also. And I, uh, a way for us to get a little bit deeper into the whole sustainability story and electric drive. Right. Um, <clears throat> because one of the vehicles that, that I drove there was a rickshaw. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know you, if you've been to India or you've, you've seen, uh, videos of, of these vehicles, you know, it's like urban, urban transport. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so three wheeler vehicle, you know, one wheel in the front, two wheels in the back. Right. Sort of like a driver sitting front and center operating sort of like, um, uh, motorcycle type controls, right. you know, and not a, not a steering wheel and pedals, but more like, uh, you ride in more like a motorcycle in the back, room for two people or whatever it is that you want to carry. Yes. So we're talking about a very small uh, type of vehicle. And the, and the reason why I drove that is because <clears throat> some uh, trainees from the Audi plant in Nerkosum in uh, Germany took a uh, rickshaw that was built in 1979 in India and they removed the gasoline-powered engine and they replaced like two, two it. Two-stroke, uh, yeah, exactly. Smoky very, engine, <laughs> very high, high pollution. You know, not at all uh, environmentally friendly. And they replaced it with an electric motor, powered by four cell units mm -hmm. taken from a battery that had powered an Audi SUV previously. Okay. So the whole idea here is to use. Um, if, if an electric vehicle has a battery that's no longer up to the same standards, uh, that's not either powerful enough or doesn't deliver you know, the range that it's exactly supposed to. that it's supposed to for to power a vehicle um, when the, the standards, uh, the, the battery is degraded somewhat, you can still find usage for for that battery or for components from that battery. And so yeah. they've taken 
four uh, cells from um, an Audi uh, uh, e-tron uh, Quattro battery, and to power this this uh, little rickshaw that goes, you know, as, only goes like fifty kilometers per hour and things like that. Yep. And it takes like for it takes like twenty seconds for it to reach from zero to, to, <laughs> to twenty to, to, to fifty yes. kilometers per hour. Z- zero to one hundred. Yeah. Z- zero to fifty. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the time. So, it can do it. Yeah, it can do it. So, but at any rate, it was an interesting proposition because they've built this thing as a one-off. Um, for a foundation in India called the Nunam Foundation, which is uh, sort of like sponsored by the Audi Environmental Foundation. And the whole idea is there is to try and get this thing started to be able to find new uses for these uh, cells that can no longer, you know, be used in a, in a car battery. So, Right, that's a big question. Yeah. How do we recycle with batteries? So converting these Uh, gas-powered rickshaws to electric drive is one way of doing it. Another thing that this foundation has done is they've set up, you know, in, in India, there's a lot of shopkeepers and there's a lot of power outages all the time. Yeah. And so they've developed with these cells a sort of like a micro network of electricity. So when the power does go down, they can switch that up with the uh, with the modules from the battery to power you know, just lighting so that they can continue to sell their, their goods in, in the streets uh, in the evening and at night. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, when living here in North America with our standard of living, with, yes. our, with the, 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 the way you and I, you know, go about our business driving cars every day, it's stuff like that, kind of lose sight of what happens elsewhere in the yeah. world. <laughs> and also about this whole idea of like, what do we do with all these these batteries when mm-hmm. when they're no longer able to to power a vehicle what can what can we do with them and so that was a great opportunity to to see that uh, up close firsthand and also to visit this this factory where they build the Q8 and the SQ8 e-tron because it's um this plant was the first Audi plant to be CO2 neutral Mm-hmm. In 2018, that's quite the achievement. You know, on the roof, there's 107,000 square meters of solar panels. Wow! Does it yeah. does the, does the sun shine that much in no, Brussels? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, you know, when I've been there, it was raining and raining, yeah, yeah. And raining again. It's, But it's pretty much the same way when I was there. But at any rate, it, it's interesting to see that um, you know Audi has a goal of making uh, every plant CO2 neutral. Uh, within a couple of years, but this this plant was able to achieve that uh, starting in 2018. So that's an interesting uh, story as well, because you know we were talking about going to electric mobility. We're talking about um, you know reducing greenhouse gases and things like that. But the actual energy consumption and the emissions of a plant to build vehicles is something that we don't you know yeah. don't necessarily factor into exactly and uh, it's still a, it's still a significant uh, part of the process exactly yeah. so um, so that was in, uh, very interesting to uh, to see as well another thing too that was interesting is that this plant you know it used to build the Audi A1 it's a vehicle that we never had here in North America it's about roughly the same size as a Volkswagen Golf yeah. and And so, you know, because this plant is built uh, 
actually not because it's built in a city center, but because the city has has grown, has swallowed <laughs> so, it. <laughs> so, exactly, it's, it's exactly that. It's swallowed it. You know, they don't have much room for to expand the factory uh, in terms of the its footprint on the ground. So they have yeah. to go up. You know, yeah. to, in, in term, and so when you're building a factory with multi levels, if you're building a car that's the size of a Volkswagen Golf, and all of a sudden you're transitioning to an electric SUV, which weighs a lot more. Yeah, you know, it's much heavier. You have to re-engineer re, uh, the entire building. So mm -hmm. what they did is they built a building within the building in order to support the, the the assembly line. They've got so much steel in there, pillars and columns and things like that, to support the weight of the of the assembly line. It's as much steel that they had to put in as to build the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <You know>? So, <laughs> wow. that's a, and a, that again is another thing. You know, we talk about the transition with uh, manufacturing to, from making gas-powered cars to making electric-powered cars. Yeah, we don't think of these things. You know, but it, that's an issue. The, the vehicles are much heavier, so therefore yes. your assembly line has to change. Your workers have to be retrained to build a new type of vehicle, yeah. and all of that has been ongoing. Uh, at this uh, Audi Brussels plant since uh, 2018. And it, was, it was quite a fascinating, fascinating visit. Very cool stuff. So in the upcoming weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about a few new models as well. Um, I drove the uh, Toyota Grand Highlander in Hawaii and uh, the embargo is still uh, valid. So I'm going to be able to talk about it in a couple of weeks uh, and also uh, going to drive the Subaru Impreza, which is uh, a pretty important model uh, for us. And uh, it's been revamped and it's got new uh, new technology. So we're going to be able to drive that. And uh, Gab, you are heading to drive European cars as well. Um, Well, not actually to drive it, but actually to to go. I'm going to Milan to see yes. the reveal of the uh, new Volvo uh, EX30. Yes. So we're talking about a smaller uh, electric SUV from Volvo. Now, Volvo has announced, uh, of course, that they're going to unveil one new electric vehicle per year until the end of the decade. Right. And so this is one of those uh, because they've recently re redone the uh, XC40 recharge and the C40 recharge did a bit of a facelift there yes. on those vehicles. And we know that the EX90 three-row SUV electric is coming on stream. And now this new Uh, model the EX30, 30. which is smaller than the uh, than the uh, the 40. Yeah, and uh, this vehicle is obviously all electric, and it's going to be built in China. Okay, at uh, Geely, with, exactly. with because of uh, the affiliation, obviously Geely owning exactly. Volvo. It's so, good, and I, that's going to become uh, it's going to uh, come to North America in 2024 as a 2025 model. So it's still a ways away, yeah. but we're still going to be able to, to see what it looks like. Talked about to the engineers who, uh, who are building it and see what the story is for uh, electric mobility with Volvo in a smaller package. I'm always happy to hear about a new smaller vehicle because we always <laughs> <laughs> deliver to North Americans bigger and bigger vehicles and now we know that, that the smaller vehicle with the We've, we've been talking earlier about a Cadillac uh, yeah. <laughs> Escalade electric drive. How about a smaller, something smaller, affordable yes. and, uh, you know, 
yeah yeah not not as much waste as yeah. precious resources uh, like lithium and, and so on and so forth there you go very very good we can't wait to hear about it uh, thanks for listening on to this 14th episode of the Car Guide podcast you can follow us on Facebook uh, uh, Twitter uh, as well as Instagram and TikTok uh, please read the articles the reviews and watch the videos on carguideweb.com and uh, we'll have more information in the next uh, following weeks about new vehicles that we're going to drive and new unveilings in the car industry thank you very much until then so long and take care Thank you for listening to the Car Guide Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like. Visit us at carguideweb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto, as well as weekly reviews and drives. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at The Official Car Guide. 